Shine the light on those who are, you know, very talented. Shine the light. Shine the light. Because now we are in the time where you need to build an education, sport education. We should be able to identify some of these talents and then we groom them. Well, that was a great one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been enjoyable. This is amazing. I hope that it would inspire many people. That's what we try to do with the podcast. Hello and welcome to In The Game, Qatar's first sports podcast. And today is a special one. As you can see where we are today, we have the best guest ever, Sheikh Farhad. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, my word. And you're you're Qatar's first professional boxer. Yes. Yes. Whoa. Uh, Well, it's uh, it's always been a dream of mine to compete as a professional. And of course, the historical part motivated me so much to break this milestone for, for Qatar. And also for myself individually, like boxing helped me so much. So my beginnings in the sport was really, I was never thinking about professional, uh, a professional career. It was mainly, uh, I loved Muhammad Ali. Oh. I used to hear stories about Muhammad Ali from my mother. Of course, because I wasn't in the generation of Ali's generation. Yeah, yeah. And my mother used to tell me so many amazing stories about his fights with Frazier and how she would be scared for Ali when he came up against Frazier. So I thought, wow, like Ali really engaged so much uh, and connected emotionally. Yeah, to so many people. Yeah, so many people around the world. Like, like look at Qatar, like, you know? So far away from the United States, but he was like really connecting this. And even I met the, some people in England, part of the old generation, and he, they used to say the exact same thing. Yeah. They used to say, oh, our streets were empty when Ali used to fight. Yeah, it was, yeah. So I, I that see kind of inspiration fell out to me. And then I went to... Let me, let me stop here because I, I want to know when, when, at what age was it that you said, Whoa, what is this? What age was that? I was gonna come to this. Uh, I was looking for a boxing place when I was around 12 years old. I was uh, looking to train boxing, but I couldn't find a boxing gym. And I remember my mother took me to Aldana Club and met a Taekwondo trainer. So she said, try this. And I tried Taekwondo and when I start to progress, uh, they start to see that I was using my hands a lot more than my feet. And Taekwondo is 80% feet yeah. and hand. They said, oh, you definitely have something in boxing. So then uh, when I just turned 17, I went to study college in Bath. No. Yes. That was that was right next to my hometown, which was Bristol. Oh, okay. And I continued studying in Bristol, actually. Whoa. And um, so I've come to this. Uh, so when I went to Bath, I became very homesick because my father never wanted me to be in London because London, you know, it's 
you can speak more Arabic in London than actually. <laughs> you know? yeah. So he was like, no, I want you to go to somewhere where you can really improve your English uh, and just be out, you know, experience something new. Yeah. So Bath was great. Like it was a small town. Yeah, of course. Bath. Yeah, posh, very posh. Yes, and uh, it was very historical. Yeah. And uh, the Roman baths. Yes. All the buildings are made of stone. And that's where I met Frank. Ah. And Frank, basically, uh, I wanted the boxing. I wanted to to learn boxing. Yeah. And, uh, but before that, why I actually went to the gym? Because I became very homesick. I missed my friends. I just recently drove uh, my car. I was so happy being at Doha, you know. Yeah. Uh, just graduated high school, but my father said, bro, you, I want you to go and study. And I remember there was a half term. Yeah. And I went, I called my family and they said, oh, just go to London and just enjoy London, you know. And I remember London going in the summers, you know, with my yeah. family. Yeah. So when I went to London, it was dark. It was, there was nobody there. It was not the London I remember, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was in the winter time. Oh. Uh, it was 2006, so the year of Asian Games. Yeah. And so I came back to Bath. It was, I never want to go back to London. It made me more sad, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I started to go... Uh, Start to meet some of my friends in college. Yeah. They said, oh, we're just going to go to the gym. I said, okay. I went with them. And I saw some people practicing boxing upstairs. And I spoke to one of the people in the weights room. And they said, oh, there is a boxing class. And here's the boxing coach, Frank. So that was the first introduction. And I was right before the Christmas break. I came back to Doha. Attended the Asian Games. My friend, my really good friend, was a volunteer for the Asian Games. And he said to me, oh, the boxing will be inside the spire. Come, wow. get a ticket and come watch it. And I was lucky. I was really close to the ring. First time ever in my life. Yeah. And when I saw it, I had a feeling, Steve, that I could do this. You know, it was, I was amazed with the talent, with the action. But you gave me this feeling, this eager feeling that I can do this. And I have already done a few classes, you know, and that's when I met the Boxing Federation. But but going back those years, yes. boxing couldn't have been a sport that everybody liked. So you were going, you were setting a train, trend even back, back then because people must have looked at it here and said, what are you doing? What are you getting into this barbaric sport for? Well, I think it wasn't wasn't like that. It no, was, it was there was a team actually, yeah. and but the main focus back then was a lot of international uh, participation, and uh, there wasn't much local uh, events because there was no clubs. There was no so the team were if they stayed here they would they wouldn't really elevate their level. Yeah. So they would have they went to Cuba and. Uh, they went to many. It was a very, very good team. Yeah. That actually got a bronze. One of them got a bronze medal at the Asian Games 2006. Yeah. So I met the, the federation. I blended myself with this team, which was higher level than I was, and really elevated my level a lot. 
And then going professional, that was, came later. It was like a, I, I call it like a snowball effect, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I started to grow, the love of the sport started to grow. And I, from Ali, I went to Sugar Ray Leonard. Oh. And then I went to more and more the history, Sugar Ray Robinson. And the list went on and on. And then Floyd Mayweather, of course, inspired me so much. I saw clips on YouTube. Social media wasn't so big back then. It wasn't, no, no. The social media back then was YouTube. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I would sit hours and hours, watch Floyd Mayweather in the gym, skipping rope, working with Roger Mayweather. And then uh, it was funny. Uh, Let me tell you this story. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, I saw the clips of Floyd training and then I saw his uncle training a small kid on the videos and I messaged this account which had a really random name and I said hi my name is Fahad Um, I'm an amateur boxer I'm hoping to I I would love to come and train with Roger Mayweather Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, all of a sudden, I get this email notification uh, that a reply from this email, and that was Roger's part. Yeah. She said to me, Roger says, you're welcome, and please come to Las Vegas in the summer. Whoa. So I was eager. <laughs> it was like a few months to the summertime, yeah. but I was so eager to just try to find a way to fly to Vegas. And lucky, I went to Vegas and I trained with Roger Mayweather and uh, I had a great experience there. So really, it was a snowball effect. It was, part of it was educating myself about the sport. Then this ambition grew in me, you know? And then I thought, oh, I could really become the first professional. When I start to work with professionals, I start to train with professionals, and I start to see that, yes, I do have a talent, but really talent is a part of the, the total package, and, uh, and it's, the, it's the actual uh, hard work, dedication, of drive, sacrifice, yep. all these things. Yep. Because it's not worth anything if you haven't gone through those things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was really part of the beginning days. So, so bad. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're, we're, this yes. is a boxing kind of podcast we're going to do today, but, but Bath is, was a nice area for you to go in. That was a beautiful area in the it was summertime. Really beautiful. It told me a lot about the Roman history. Of course, as a boxing athlete, uh, gladiators. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I loved the gladiators. And this kind of connected the role, me to the Roman history. Whoa. And um, uh, funny enough, I used to drive to Bristol to a club called Empire. No way. Yes. So, so if, I, if I walked from my mum's home now, if I walked from there, 
it would be and and sorry now you're speaking i can hear the bristol yeah, accent it would be because you don't in the beginning i couldn't really oh see my it, word but now i can see and the and and Australian accent. and i'm not just saying this because of now you've just brought some there's tingling going on because it was in saint paul's so empire was in saint paul's so you had the m32 between yes. right the road yes, there's a the census St. Paul's, yes. St. Paul's. So I lived in Easton, which was just a stone throw away. So if I if I walked to the gate and back, that's how far Empire Sports was. And I used to go there. I used to I used to box out because we were it was a discipline for us. We were young kids, it got us off the streets. You were there with a skipping rope and you just they just put you in a room and you just kept on skipping all day long. So it was um it was it's pretty special to think that that we our paths could have crossed in some way or another, but that was, the Empire Sports was, was that was legendary in it Bristol. It is, and of course you have a world champion, Glenn Cadley. Oh dear. And he became a, which we were speaking about before we came on, yeah. uh, with the golden age of British boxing. Yeah. Uh, of course, in America, the Fantastic Four was the Leonard Hagler Duran. Yep. Uh, you know, yep. But, in Great Britain was um, Chris Eubank. Chris, yeah. Uh, With his gloves. Yes. <laughs> and Nigel Benn. Yep, yep. Was, uh, and of course, uh, uh, Collins. Uh, Chris Collins. Chris Collins, yes. And, and, and I say this because... But he came a bit later. He, he, he was the one that took the shine off those two boys because those two were Actually, brilliant. I would think Joe Calzaghi took the shine off. Uh, uh, Joe Calzaghi... <laughs> but I was, I'm, I'm still in the... His record was bigger than anybody else's, right? His record was extremely great and it, he went on to be one of the finest in the UK boxing. I, I mean, and in the world. Actually. Yeah, of course, because he, he really was something special. And I think it was, was it? Uh, you know, I'll tell you something, Steve. You know, you, you, this, I mean, I haven't really said this anywhere and I will tell you now. There was a, a TV package with Joe Calzaghi. Yeah. And I bought this TV package to watch Joe. Because he was on ITV before that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he moved to Satanta Sport. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was a really cheap uh, five pound a month. And, and I just bought it. It had many sports, but it had Joe Kazagi's fights. And I said, I want this. And it was towards the end of Joe Kazagi's career. Um, when he was uh, after the Jeff Lacey uh, fight. Yeah. He went and... Uh, had great fights actually, and uh, I used to follow him a lot, especially in the let's say uh, southwest of England. Yeah, yeah, uh, Wales. It's yes, right by Bristol. Yeah, very close, very close. Actually, when I was in Empire training, I would see uh, pros from Wales coming for sparring. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and vice versa. Yeah, like, yeah, know? yeah. And uh, but it's a great club. It's a Away from Glenn Catley being a world champion, which is fantastic. Yeah. But I've seen this club take kids out of the street and turn their life through boxing from the negative to positive. I mean, the power of boxing is just bigger than... 
I'm not just saying this because, and there's, again, I say there's tingling going on in my, the back of my neck at the moment because I spent so many, I spent so many times in it because that was the only thing. I didn't think that this podcast would go to us. Oh my God. The thing with it is I I used to do, I I used to be a rugby player. I used to play rugby in in Bristol, but, but I was from St. Paul's. I I remember the riots in St. Paul's, which was, and we, we kind of, we were just young kids. You know, and and that was a place that we used to go, and we used to. I I used to be really fit, fit back in those days, yes. and the Empire Sports was something for all of us, of and it was because we didn't have much back then. We just didn't have much, and you're talking about the boxing. The boxing for us was um, that was just something special with Muhammad Ali. Everybody stayed up and watched those fights. It's like Nigel Ben. I told you I was in the forces with Nigel Ben, a friend of mine. Funny story was, is that I saw him in Biggleswade. Biggleswade is my hometown. Not my hometown, but it was, it was where I was living. And I've got four children. So we were all in the town of Biggleswade one day. And I'm thinking, that's Nigel Ben. And, and all my kids are going, because I've told them all about Nigel Ben and he's my friend. And they're going, dad, dad. Leave it, please, Dad. Dad, Dad, please, just leave it. And I'm going, no, 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 I'm going to go, I'm going to go and see him. He, he knows me. They're saying, please, Dad, you're going to make a, you're going to make a fool of yourself. And, I, and he's got this hoodie on and I'm watching and I'm sure that's him. He went to the counter, dropped his hood down. And I went, I went over to him. I said, Nigel. He went, Mackie. And all my kids, yeah, my dad knows him. My dad was with, and we were, he used to come in the cookhouse. I was a chef. Used to come in the cookhouse. We used to look after him. It, we, he was such a, g- a great guy, and what he achieved was unbelievable. And you see the emotion now that his son's in the ring, and you see that. But from both of the, the yes. I, I, it's lovely. The Nigel uh, brought something amazing to the sport. Yeah, like especially in the, in let's say in, in England. Yeah, uh, his fight with Chris Eubank was in Old Trafford. Oh dear. I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan. Yeah, right. So. Uh, to hear of a actual middle super middleweight fight in Old Trafford, that's like a historic uh, thing that just never was never repeated ever again. Yeah, and was just incredible. But really, uh, boxing needs rivals. Yeah, especially in the professionals, boxing needs rivals, and rivalries really transcends the sport from the hardcore fan yeah. to the casual fan yeah and really it is the goal of the all the people around boxing from the fighter to the to the to the to the manager to the promoter yeah to the governing body is to reach the imagination and capture this imagination of the casual fan yeah. because the hardcore fans are a very small margin right yeah yeah so uh both like Ali and Fraser, yeah. Nigel and and Chris yeah. captured the imagination yeah. of the of the British. Oh dear me! Uh, boxing fans. Yeah, back then it was it was that was that yeah. was fantastic. It was and just a book uh, The cockiness and boxing ability, and and the and the the jump over over the rope. Oh dear! And, and, yeah, and 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 the posture of. Yes, with the boxing gloves. I, I kind of, I look back to those, and we're, we're kind of, I, my head's spinning at the moment. It's the first time I've, I've, I've actually had this with this podcast, is because I'm, there's just so many memories that I want to kick out here, but I want it, I want it to be your story. So, 
I'm going to take us back now. So I remember doing a boxing match. They said to me, look, we, we need a light heavy. I was only 16, 17, 18 years old. One of those in those areas. It was about 16 or 17. And they said, go on, go into the light heavy because we got nobody. So I was like, what do I have to do? They said, you're fit and you can, you can handle yourself. Just go in there. And the guy you're fighting, he's okay because he's never fought before. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm, I remember standing in the corner, looking at my corner, because his name was um, Sergeant uh, Turner. And he had me looking at him. He said, focus on me, focus on me. So I thought, okay, focus on you, okay. And then I look back and this bloke's gone. He's kind of, he's been boxing for years. I think, oh my God, I, I've got to go out there. I've, got, I've just got to, it's the hardest thing. If anybody hasn't done boxing, it's the hardest thing. And it was, I thought my lungs, and I was fit back then, but I thought my lungs were gonna burst. I thought, and, and by the round three, I thought I could, cause I wasn't breathing. I didn't have the techniques. Yes. What was it, what is it like just, if you can tell them, what is it like when you're going through those things and you're getting yourself ready? So the first fight I did, I was really nervous. I was super nervous. I was really, really, really uh, putting a lot of pressure on myself and in my mind, um, I just, the more I was walking closer to the ring, uh, I was getting more relaxed because uh, I was getting nervous in the dressing room, the weight, this long wait, the commissioners coming in, the referees coming in, giving the instructions. Um, and this was harder for me than actual fight because I was really training very, very hard. Yeah. I really put myself in serious training and I knew there was nothing more I could have done. Uh, I dedicated my time. I was really, really uh, living the sport. Yeah. So when I got in the ring, the first fight, after the first round, I got tired because I went like, this, like they say, all guns blazing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because I just had this nervous energy and I wanted to prove myself. Yeah. And, and then as I was going further, uh, and I lost the first fight. My first amateur fight, I lost it. And I lost again and again and again until it clicked with me. It's like uh, I started to feel uh, relaxed more and I started to feel uh, my abilities more. I start to feel the skills more. Yeah. Because one thing I learned from Vegas, from being with them, with Roger Mayweather, is he told me talent is only one part of boxing. So don't worry so much about facing somebody that is more talented. It's skills wins fights. So skills can be taught. So if you dedicate yourself and learn the right way, you can really build yourself to be a champion. You can build yourself to be someone in the ring. And uh, thankfully, I really believed in myself and believed in my team uh, because I think, yes, it's an individual sport. However, your coach, people don't realize what a coach to a boxer is like. If you look at Angelo Dundee and Muhammad Ali, they all had this relationship with their coaches that were very, very close. And I was the same. I, I really believed that Frank back then was, the, was my third eye in the ring. And I couldn't see everything in the ring. 
because uh, when you fight as you felt it, the emotions. So if you really reached a hundred percent level of fitness, you would fight because of this nervous energy, you will really be around seven. Yeah. Because it can really drain, drain so yeah. much of you. Yeah. And then you reach a level of understanding how to use it to your advantage. But it's still, it's consuming, you know, it's very consuming. Yeah. And you have to like switch off from everyone. And I remember like I switched off my phone. I wasn't really talking to anyone before a fight. I was just trying to focus and remember everything I was, I was training for. But it must be, so you went through those difficult times. It, it must be so when you felt it, because there must have come a time, I, I watched some of these guys in their boxing today and they were guarding up and coming down on the side and then putting their hands up to stop the, yes. when that is poetry in motion, it must be, when you're in total control and you can feel your body just moving without even thinking about it, that must be a powerful, powerful thing. Of course, of course, it's uh, it makes um, any fighter or boxer, I should say, uh, want to learn more. The more the more skills you learn, it makes you oh, uh, I'm upping my game. Uh, I'm gonna learn more, and I'm gonna learn more and more and more. And this is so important for. Uh, a, a boxer or an athlete to never feel oh I know it all because that's the beginning of downfall you need to always go to the gym and be challenged uh, and that's the job again of a coach to know how to challenge you could be challenging your coordination challenging your skills uh, could be hard sparring day it could be um, uh, so many things on fitness wise yeah. it be like okay I I, I want to run my sprints faster this time. Yeah. So it's a continuous learning and improvement culture that you have to be in all the time. It's that cycle. Yeah. And fight by fight, you just keep getting better and better and better. But it's so important, Steve, that as a boxer, and I, I would like to say this to the future generations also, that you need to understand that without sacrifice, when without discipline, boxing is not the sport for you. You need to have the sacrifice and this, boxing is not an easy sport. You need to respect it. But, but that's life, right? It's not just for boxing. That is life. You better work at but it. But life starts from the ring, you know? <laughs> to us boxers, life starts in the ring. Like we take these lessons and use them in life. I, I can't, when you look at Canelo and you look at those, those boxers, Mayweather, for example, uh -huh. and they've achieved virtually everything in their lives, right? Yes. And, and you look at them, what else is, how do you get yourself motivated to get back in that ring? To go back into a ring knowing, we were talking earlier as well, that you don't feel the punches really, it's just thuds, right? And it's all that kind of stuff. What gets you to do that? Is it the, it's, 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 it must be a game of chess when you're in there. Uh, I, I, th I believe personally that financial gain, it's a motivator for many. However, you reach a point where you, many boxers actually make it. Yeah. But what keeps them motivated is history, is breaking records. Legacy. Is legacy. Yeah. That's what, mot and the love of the sport. Yeah. Together. So... Uh, like, for example, you mentioned Canelo. I was in his fight in the last fight against John Ryder in Mexico. Oh, uh, that was a... 
and it was really amazing to watch the especially for the for people in mexico right because it was in, in virtually going home to exactly it was his coming back yeah high. yeah and uh it was amazing what was really more amazing was walking down the street of guadalajara and walking to just a random shop and finding boxing equipment being sold because boxing is such a big part of their culture yeah, right? yeah, yeah. so they love boxing so much and of course started with uh, many champions Sa salvador sanchez julio cesar chavez uh, eric morales and barrera the rivalry yeah which will bring us to another fantastic fighter which is Nassim Hamid. Oh, you know? Oh, my word. Uh, he was. He was so full of himself, but what a boxer. Amazing. Yeah. And he inspired so many Arabs. Like, he was one of the guys that really inspired me as a young child. Whoa. You know? Yeah. And. Um, but that was like Eubank. Nobody liked Eubank. Nobody liked Eubank. But us in the Middle East, Nassim Hamid yeah. was, was, a, was a light of hope. Yeah, you know, yeah. Brought hope, uh, being a champion in boxing and saying I'm a proud Arab. You know, yeah. That was like that transcended a lot in the Middle East across all of the. It's it's fantastic. All of the youth, you know. And and we kind of we was part of this history too, yes. just with the World Cup, right? Yes. I know we're jumping from one sport to another, but it's that important. It's like what Nassim done for you for the sport here. The World Cup done it as well, coming to the Middle East. And it, it has such a powerful impact. But of course, the World Cup is uh, it's a major, 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 major for that youth. And that, I, I suppose that t takes me on to the stuff. I see a lot of your stuff. You're working so much with the youth right now from a yes. boxing perspective. Yes. How rewarding is that? That's amazing. That uh, really, really uh, makes me happy to see the future generations coming up and wanting to be champions. Uh, I could see some really good talent, but they, of course, need needs time and hard work and sacrifice and dedication. But we're going to get there. And, of course, uh, there is the 2030 vision yeah. uh, for the Asian Games coming up. Yeah. And we really, really hope to prepare a nice group of champions to be in 2030 uh, medalists. But Steve, I want to tell you something. We spoke a lot about England and yeah. Europe and the U and uh, and a professional side. In the amateur scene, Asia is one of the strongest continents that we're in, yeah. in boxing, yeah. especially in the Olympic boxing, uh, amateur. Boxing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, really, the the competition in Asia is a very very high level. Yeah. It's maybe in the continentals, it's maybe the strongest. Um, so we are, we have to really, we have a big responsibility to prepare the young generation to reach this level. And hopefully my, our dream to, to really have a, medalist in their 20s I'm, I'm so glad that you 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 brought this up because it was going to be something else that i was going to go into then yes. and the, the responsibility that you've got on your shoulders you're the first professional boxer in qatar 
you're going to be, you're that inspiration. Whether you like it or not, you're the inspiration because people are going to look at you like the Nassim Hamid or the, the kind of, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, if you can, people are going to be able to empathize. How much, and with, the, with everything you say about the 2030 vision and everything that's being developed here in Qatar from a sporting, um, from a sporting nation, um, how much responsibility, that's a big responsibility on your shoulders. It is a big responsibility. But, of course, uh, with a good team, we have a really, really good team. And uh, we have uh, uh, their experience. And, of course, at the end of the day, uh, we have to also uh, give our coaches the trust uh, because the coaches are the key. I, I always believe in this. Without coaches, there is no sport because coaches are the key. They are day in, day out in the gyms, putting the hours and bringing up this next generation, educating yeah. them, uh, developing the culture of the sport. So it's, in many senses, uh, coaches are a key element in bringing us across, in boxing sense, to this next level. But it's not, I, I, was, I, I, I was watching the coach that had everybody in the, the ring earlier. And, and how you've, you're not just teaching them a technique of right. boxing and doing the things that you should be doing and protecting yourself and covering up. He was there to do the discipline too. He was there to look up and say, hey, 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 come on. And, it was, and then somebody was, no, listen to me. So you, they've got such a role to play and people don't realize how big a role they've got to play because that's the, how the communities are built, right? Those are, those are the way that we all develop. With, with what you're doing now, um, what, what is it for you now? What are you trying to achieve in the boxing world? What is it that you're trying to achieve? Of course, preparing the next generation. Uh, this is my main goal right now, is to prepare the next Qatari champions. Uh, we kind of restructured um, the age groups in, uh, with the team in the Qatar Boxing Federation, working alongside uh, uh, a lot of the expertise there. And so we want to uh, develop different competitions uh, and bring up local activity because the more local activity that we have in Qatar, the better the level we be. And uh, and that will reflect on the international camps and international participation. Yeah. And that is really, really a vital element of uh, the development of the sport, continuing the development of the sport. Uh, in 2015, there was the Amateur World Championships here in Doha. Yeah. Uh, so that was also a big uh, push uh, for the sport uh, in terms of education, in terms of uh, uh, I know many people went there and saw the brilliant Cubans and saw Team GB and saw Team USA and all the, like, really the best uh, teams around the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, this feeling, it's the same with me. When I went to the Asian Games in 2006, that inspiration really brings the next person yeah. to come in yeah. and be there. In terms of the what we call the elite group, which is the senior group, we have three uh, athletes right now. We have uh, Abdul Hadi Mary, we have Saeed Samir, 
and we have uh, the first ever uh, actual international participation of women in boxing. So this is another milestone going to happen. Uh, and we're very proud of that okay. in the Boxing Federation. And that gave us a big motivation to just continue further. I look back at that. I, I, I do look back at that. I'm 56 years old. And I look back at when women were coming into the sport. Right. And they had a really tough time because nobody wanted... Actually, Steve, Jane Couch was the champion from Bristol. Yeah, women yeah, yeah. From Bristol that started women boxing in England. And now you can see the amount of champions. Oh, but it, it, it was like, no, women can't, well, it's not allowed. You no, but look at the way that it's developed. And it's great that, that you've just brought that up to say how it's developing here in, in the Middle East. Of course, of course, it's developed big time. But I want to also touch on another thing. If we look at uh, the sport infrastructure of Qatar in general, we are lucky. We have such a great infrastructure at Qatar. Yeah. Uh, you have places like Spire, you know, you have so many different places to develop yeah. uh, the next generation. So in that sense, there's so much work that was done that really helped us coming now yeah. and developing this next yeah. generation. Yeah. Um, so this infrastructure that we have since 2005, uh, Asian Games and pre the few years before Asian Games was a big transitional phase yeah. in our sports yeah. uh, development. Yeah. And then you mentioned the World Cup. Of course, this is not boxing, but I have something to tell you I felt as a personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was walking down Musharraf or I was walking down Sugwagiv or I was walking down Lucille uh, uh, sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. And I would see Latin Americans that I would not, not normally see visiting Qatar, right? Yep, yep. And the World Cup broke so many barriers. It's oh. such a great platform um, that I was completely in awe of. And we were chatting and actually I met by coincidence uh, the former like, heavy world champion Zuldo Ramirez <laughs> in Doha and he was coming just to enjoy the World Cup and support Mexico Damn, but isn't that so, you say so you just by coincidence it's crazy, it's, crazy. Yes. it's got it it's one of those things there's no 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 maybes it's there it's all there for a purpose and it just like that coincidence things happen Look at the way that you, I, I listen back to the, the way that your mum talked about Muhammad Ali, that put that seed in your mind, that taking you on now to lead your country to a certain degree in the boxing world, right? Because that's the responsibility that you've got right now. The great thing about this is, is it, it's like, um, I, I think sport is very much like entrepreneurship or business side of things in the sense that you've got to be disciplined, you've got to be working hard. And the great thing about Qatar is they put the infrastructure in place now for the private sector to now take it on and to drive it. And that's what you've got to do now. Uh, let me touch on this. Uh, speaking of the private sector, we have uh, in the Boxing Federation, we have a very good, uh, let's say, partnership with the private sector. Yeah. Because most of the academies and clubs who are 
participating in our uh, local championships yeah. are all private yeah. uh, academies. Yeah. And they've been growing so much with our programs also. So uh, we did a coaching course, a local coaching course yeah. uh, from the Federation expert, uh, Mr. Salim. Uh, he did an amazing coaching course. Now we did a refereeing coaching, uh, refereeing uh, course also, yeah. a local referee. We want to bring back also the uh, Qatari referee yep. uh, in the boxing game. Uh, so then uh, we can hopefully in the future have a Qatari uh, referee also. So it's looking at the boxing from a wide spectrum, you know, yep. not just the champion that we want to develop, connecting it to education, uh, as a tool to teach self-discipline, uh, improve uh, the youth, and teach them to live a healthy lifestyle. So it is really a combination of different goals that we are doing. That's why Qatar is going to be so great, because of the way that they're empowering others, right? And that, that's, it's so simple to say that, but that's what they're doing. They're getting other people to believe in what they can achieve. And that's what I love about it. But I, I see all the things that, like the, um, Frank, I remember it, uh, Frank was one of the interviews in the very yeah. beginning that yeah. we, we had. And I can see the gala dinner that's going to be going on very yeah. soon in Qatar, the black tie where you're all good. So it really is, the boxing world is really licensed up here. By a club called Oryx. Yeah, of Oryx course, Oryx. Pete. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, uh, we completely supported this initiative. Yeah, yeah. The more we can have, uh, the community engage and come up with initiatives is actually fantastic for the sport. Uh, of course, we have, um, uh, we all, all of us as a community work for the same goal, right? At the end of the day, to improve the sport in Qatar. Yeah. And uh, of course, this is uh, a fantastic uh, initiative. And we really look forward to this event on the 22nd uh, of June. And we want to wish all the best to all the uh, boxers competing. Yep, yep. And uh, hopefully, I, I always say this, I say every championship or every competition is not the end. Whether you win or lose, it's the, it is a step to the next uh phase and the next target for the boxer shake i never realized how good this podcast was going to be today thank you very much you are you are an inspiration and you and you're doing a fantastic job because i can see the sport growing in qatar and and i love the sport too i it, oh, I, I was brought i was brought up on it you know yes. i was brought up on it to, so to be in your presence today and seeing all the hard work that you're doing and everybody i hope you enjoyed this podcast um podcast today especially as much as we did um you you there isn't anything in life that if you don't if you can only put your mind to it okay you can achieve whatever you want to do there isn't anything out there that you can all okay just realize that and go and do it shake thank you so much indeed it's been a real pleasure thank you very much steve thank you thank you everybody see you next week